All right, so this is episode one, introduction. Are you guys ready for a report? I'm ready. I'm, ready. I'm very right. excited. I'm super excited too because let me tell you, in the morning, <laughs> I'd be ready to go. Mm-hmm. I know y'all be ready to go. So ready. Because number one, I love when my best friends, they call me in the mornings <laughs> and we already are getting our day started by this just talking to each other about how the day is about to go. And this in the morning phone call. Yeah. Six, six in the morning phone calls. Six a.m. Definitely. And I think that helps my day a little bit better knowing that my best friends are literally about to go through the same thing that right. I'm about to go through. Yeah. It helps me to know that people are up as early as I am. Right. And it also, that's the time where me and my friends, we kind of get to group together and figure out what's up. Because during a 12-hour shift, it, shit can get real yeah. and crazy. Mm-hmm. So you really don't have time to update your friends or just talk to them. So before the shift is the go-to. And we we debrief. We hop each other up for the day. <laughs> and what's about to come. So we just, we, we prepare each other. Yeah, we so do. Always good. We definitely prepare each other. And I just think that when I get there in the day, like, I'm just like, all right, if I know I'm, I'm going to have a bad day, I'm just going to call Kali and be like, hey, this is what's going on. You know, I, I can't focus, A, B, and C. It's just, it's so bomb to have nursing friends that get you. And people to vent to so know exactly what you're going through. They know what you're going through. And number one that I wanted to start with today is, are you ready for report is the topic because I think that this is like the main conversation that we have all the time. Because after a 12, 13 hour shift, you are definitely ready to give a report. And so Danny, do you want to explain exactly what report consists of, what it is? Okay, so report is, the rundown of your patient. I mean, you're getting the head to toe assessment, which means that like, you know, you're getting everything going on with your patient from beginning to end. And you're passing off the information that, that you feel the next nurse needs to know in order to take care of your patient. Right, because I mean, like there's information that's needed to be passed on just so that you can, you know, just, you know, take care of your patient, watch for things, watch for important stuff, you know, because there's things that get missed during the day. I mean, shoot, I know I miss things. It's hard, you know, making sure that you you got everything down from beginning to end. So I think report is kind of like one of those things to kind of like regroup and help you like remember what's going on with your patient to pass it on, mm-hmm. you know, so that they they can pick up where you left off and even pick up on things you may have missed. And there's, there's also important information that nurse to nurse can uh, provide each other as far as family members. Hey, their family's crazy. <laughs> hey, this patient is feeling you know this type of way, or yeah, this is why they're feeling this type of way. They and just uh, recently with COVID is hey, this this uh, patient just lost a family member, just lost a husband, just lost a son or daughter. So it's it's nice to pass that along to kind of just know what you're getting into. And I think my biggest thing report is please don't tell me anything that's not important because mm-hmm. like. We're ready to go. We'll be ready to go, man. Like we just 12, 13 hours, especially right now. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. And what I learned is that a good, efficient nurse will figure that out. I don't need you to tell me everything that really happened on your ship per se, because I can find that in through the charts, through the notes. And I like to, you know, look at my own patients and figure out a lot of information. I don't need you to tell me a whole bunch of unnecessary information that's going to take up my time, honestly. I don't need to know where their IV is. Yeah. <laughs> I can find that out. I can go in the room and see. When I do my assessment, I'll see that. Right. I'll see it when I lay eyes on them. But, um, but okay, so that's 
brings me to my next question. So patience level from one to 10, how patient are you guys when you get there in the morning and you are just ready to get report, get report? Well, in the afternoon, after we just got the, after we just finished a 12 to 13 hour shift, mind you, we work day shift. So that would mean like at seven o'clock, um, that's when the next shift comes in. So that's when we also like, that's the end of our shift. So, um, so between the window of seven and seven thirty is when we share that information. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. And so me prior, it's like, I'm, I'm looking at six 30, I'm looking at who I'm going to be giving a report to. So <laughs> that I, makes a difference. It makes a difference because you, you know that some nurses are going to require a lot more than other nurses will. Um, and, and want to hold you up a little bit more. They may be a little bit more talkative or they may just be slow putting their coat down on their lunch. You know which nurses are going to be straggling in. Um, so at 6.30, I'm looking at the report sheet. I'm seeing who I'm giving a report to. And if I'm giving a report to multiple nurses, then I'm going to kind of get in order. Uh, I'm just going to see which nurse I'm going to give hit first. And I think that that's what bothers me so much in the morning. It's like, damn, you got to give reports to multiple people. Yeah. It's just like, uh, especially when you know how they give reports. Yeah, you're like, man, dang, I got to give report to such and such. That means then you really you got to regroup on how you gonna give report. You do. You know what I'm saying? You, you gotta. Do. You gotta. All right, this is who I'm gonna go to first. Let me grab them before somebody else does. Mm -hmm. Because <laughs> I'm trying to get out of here. Because it's seven thirty and not eight o'clock or eight thirty. Right. Because if they're giving report first, that means I'm gonna be backed up a good twenty minutes, and yeah. that's a long time. Yeah. So. So sometimes you can give report in five minutes. Sometimes you it, it may take thirty minutes to give report. So it really. It really is a hit or miss. So when do you start getting um, like in, impatient? I get impatient when I see the nurse walking around and there's nobody else there. Yeah. And they're like, like, like a deer headlights, and it's like, hey, what's up? Or when yeah. everyone else is giving a report, and are y'all ready? There. Yeah. Or yeah. they're like, you know, oh, let me grab some coffee real quick. I say within ten minutes, I'm getting very impatient. Okay. Ten, ten minutes. And that's very lenient. That's very I think 10 minutes is lenient. Yeah. And depending on where you go, especially as travelers, you see that much of a difference. On my home floor, my home unit, by 7.03, people were breaking and they were ready to give a report. They were clapping. They had their coats and stuff all day. But really, you should have a, all your shit together at 7. You know, that's when your shift starts. So you should be ready to go. Not clapping in at 7. Not just, you know, just not putting your stuff up at 7. That's frustrating to see. So if yeah. I see that, I'm already kind of impatient. I'm like, come on, bro. Yeah. So I agree. Seven ten. <laughs> well, I I mean the thing is is that I know I know me and I I get out the bed the last minute. I I try to do better as far as like making sure that I'm getting there. I get there before set. Like I get there on time. Yeah. So you know I get it. So you clock in at seven. That's what she's saying. About six fifty eight. So when are you ready to? Retain report. When are you ready for the report? second I walk in? The second I walk in the door, listen. Okay, so I, this is what I do. We gotta, we put our stuff up. It takes me one minute. I take all my stuff mm -hmm. off. I go get a pen and paper. Sit down, ready. I don't have to. You know, some nurses are different though. They gotta pull up the charts. They right. want to right. view their patients. They want to see what's going on with them. I just, I don't do all of that. Give me the pertinence, and then I'm gonna go back in the chart myself right. and look. Right. Tell me what's up. Like what? What's the what's What's the real big deal going on with the patient? Yeah. And then I can go back and look for myself. And a majority of those nurses stay anyway. So yeah. it's like if I have a question, it just, just run it by. I think it also depends on what specialty you are. 
Um, Danny, were you recently being in the ICU? So you're going to have two patients max. Um, with us, me and Lee being in step down, you'll have about three to four patients. Med surge, you're given report to make five, six different people. Right. So it's different. Um, as far as how many patients that you do have. If, if you only have two patients, report can be a little bit quicker. I think that that was one of the good things that, well, not just good things, but one of my favorite things was about being in ICU, getting away from five patients. I mean, Khalid, you and I, we were charged, in charge with five patients. Oh, we were, but, and also at the same time, when it came to us giving a report to another charge, we were given a report on 30 patients. Yeah. So you yeah. have to know the grand you scheme have to know of all 30 floor. patients. And so. plus your patients. And I'm telling you, we our assignments weren't easy. No, no. We I were not getting, that. and it wasn't it wasn't feasible. The way that our floor was, mm -hmm. you weren't getting an easy patient. Right. You were getting patients that were sick. Right. Like they were sick and they needed to go to the ICU. It could turn, yeah, it could definitely turn on you any any minute. I mean, I just remember just days of just busting out of that uh, the uh, break room. Right yeah, into her, like tripping over. I hate being here about like those days. <laughs> I don't because it, it made me a better nurse, though, for sure. Like you know, it made me think. It made me really. When I get report, I do. I am a lot more thorough now because I wasn't patient, especially when you first start out as a nurse. And that you, comes as, as being an ICU nurse. You have to be thorough. You have to. And I see that because message. I mean, you're. What is there really to talk about? The patient walks. They talk. They talk. Like, yeah. what else is there for me to know? Are they discharging today or not? But ICU. Yeah, you're going to be in completely different mindset and critical thinking and knowledge. It's just, it's a whole different thing. Med surge versus ICU. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I mean, there's times where I'm like just ready to get it over with, but then I have to realize that, I, all right, you got a job to do this, what you're here to do. Just relax, get report and listen. Cause I, I do, I get frustrated because I just feel like there's just some things I don't need to know. Well, what type of bad experiences have you had giving or getting report from somebody? Well, uh, before we get into bad experiences, do you kind of want to just give an introduction? Let people know how long you have been a nurse for? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been a nurse for three and a half years. Oh my God, it's going on four years. Yeah. I didn't Time even realize flies. that. Time is flying. So um, I started off PCU med surge at the Brain and Spine Hospital, Ohio State. And that's where I was charge nurse, precepted, which means, you know, you're training other nurses. And now I'm in the ICU. I've been in the ICU for almost two years, and that's where my heart is at. I'm actually currently in MP school. Um, becoming a nurse practitioner is going to be the next thing for me, okay? <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so I'm in the ICU, and I love it. I, I love being in the ICU. Where do you see yourself in five years as a nurse? So this is really hard right now because I'm in women's health right now. And that's like been my passion always to be in, to be a midwife. That's what I wanted to be. I've always wanted to be a part of the delivery process. But, you know, I have fallen in love with acute care. So I think my passion right now, like what I'm looking at is um, high-risk maternity. So it's just, I feel like critical care is where I belong, but I still want to stay in the realm of women's health because, you know, we need black women's health professionals. Yeah, we need and I, I definitely agree with you 100%. When I was pregnant with my daughter 
and you know we were looking for black healthcare providers. Uh, health, health per, healthcare providers and we couldn't find any and we're in Columbus Ohio and we could not find a black professional that I felt like would be able to identify with our specific needs and wants and that's with with you know a black woman's body it's different um, we're, we're a lot more at risk and as, even as far as self-care and skincare like my biggest thing was stretch marks and I and I think that I would have been able to um, a, a, per, a, a physician would have been able to kind of identify and, rel- and be a little bit more relatable as far as you know skincare with black women more than white physicians mm-hmm. absolutely and I've gotten that a lot you know, I've actually, you know, I've, I've met a lot of black women who have come, you know, have been my patients who have come through the James and her just like, you know, when I have my kids, there weren't any black providers. I would have loved to collaborate and understand where another black woman is coming from. Right. You know what I'm saying? Even, you know, just a little bit of, you know, some of the time, if, if it's a nurse, if it's a, you know, especially like back then, like, you know, we, that's not just what, I seen and that's what I heard and 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 to be relatable is is huge I think a huge goal for all three of us because we've been put in an environment and situation to where it's hard to I feel like for people to relate to us as the very few minorities in the workplace absolutely and we're used to being you know just saying what it is we're used to being the only black person in the room so it's just like in order to be I, I think it's important to be relatable in healthcare because I mean, the information is very valuable and it's very important. And when you do that, you could be the gatekeeper for a, a, a lot of things and information. So that's that's dope because black people, you know, black women especially are needed in the healthcare industry, especially in labor, labor and delivery. And yeah. even as far as saying, you know, you've been needed with me, I'll go ahead and go into my introduction. I went to University of Toledo, graduated, was super excited. Um, to start at Ohio Health and at Great Medical Center, I heard that there was a lot of culture and diversity there, which it is. Um, so I started off on a cardiac vascular um, step down unit and I loved it, but then it became very overwhelming because we were short staffed. Um, so it came from- Yeah, y'all had like no staff. Yeah, we, we didn't have any staff. <laughs> and so it went, it went from maybe um, taking care of four patients and then they started to uh, push six patients on us. So at that point, you can't provide efficient I mean, patient you're care. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're exhausted. Um, so then I went to a new unit. They they built a new ICU unit. They spent like $30 million on this 32-bed ICU unit. I went there, and then I ended up getting pregnant. I wasn't able to complete uh, my, uh, my training all the way. However, I was still able to work in the ACU and, and grasp that training and grasp that specialty. And um, it, it's been a blessing. Grant was a level one trauma center. So when I say everybody in Ohio was flown to Grant, the car accidents, gun, we got all the gunshot wounds. And when we say level one trauma center, it means that the sickest people come to your hospital. Most urgent and critical and yes, needs. Yes, urgent critical needs. So. Um, you grasp really good relationships with people that work in trauma, other IC units, and they're and they're saying, "Hey, come come see here." You you meet other flight nurses that are getting the the nurses off of the helicopters when they're being life flighted. 
the the experience that I was able to grasp at Grant and obtain was just wonderful. I know, and I feel like you you have really great things to speak have, on about. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to say bad about Grant. I love, 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 love. And love I think, Grant. and I, a lot of the nurses that come from Grant, they're really smart. Yeah, like, there was a couple, you know, that I had met, and I I I loved them. They were yeah. smart. They came from the ICU. They were just they were efficient. Yeah, they were super efficient because they they know about the emergencies. Like yeah, those yeah. gunshots that y'all get. Oh yeah, yeah. We I mean we get we get the severe. The most severe patients, the gunshot wounds, any gunshot wound that you hear about in Ohio, they're coming to Grant. Um, so my experience is very, very broad as far as trauma, ICU, surgery, and um, I have just my tr my training, my clinical background. I have the all. The foundation has yeah, been from my Grant. foundation was built yeah, from that's, Grant. That's and where you began. I'm I'm very grateful. Well, Lee. Well, me and Danny, we are OSU um, co-workers for sure. I started off, um, I graduated um, from the University of Toledo with my bachelor's and um, that was in 2016 in December. I jumped straight into OSU um, and I started on a trauma floor and that was kind of insane as a new grad for me to be thrown into that. But I've learned so much from that, that I even, you know, you know, use, of course, now. So I started, I was on the trauma working night shift for about a good two years. And then that floor transitioned into a progressive care unit and it turned into a surgery floor. So um, when we transitioned over, then I started precepting, I started doing charge nurse, and I never thought that I would be the one to precept. I've, I've always loved educating others and teaching others, but precepting, I realized how much I loved nursing. Right. And I realized how much I knew. Mm -hmm. um, so that just gave me a little bit of like leverage and a, a lot of confidence in, in nursing and, and the skills that I was doing. So I learned so much from being at OSU. Um, I've had a lot of different experiences at OSU than I think that Danny has had or that I think that my sister has had, you know, with Grant, which that's the whole, you know, we'll get into that. Um, but I'm very thankful um, for what I've learned at OSU. So um, after that, after the progressive care unit and being charged and uh, precepting, I got so burnt out from being bedside that I went to the Ross Hospital, which is still connected to OSU. And I did surgery for about a year. And then now we're in the OR. I was in the OR, and that was that was a very interesting experience. I I loved what I what I did in, in surgery in the OR, and they gave me a great amount of uh, training and a lot of knowledge. But um, I just felt it was just best for me to go travel um, within the past year. So that has been a great opportunity. And right now, I'm currently on my third assignment in Phoenix. Arizona. And that's where we are right now. And, and nice and sunny. Yes. It is beautiful. And, and that's the beauty of travel is just being able to kind of just get up and go um, when you please. You get to work when you please. If you want to say, hey, I don't want to work around the holidays. You don't have to work around the holidays. Um, and you and just as far as meeting a variety of people and learning different skill sets as well. And, and leaving my staffing job, I will always say for all of us, we've all left our staffing job. Yeah. At OSU and Grant, that has been the best decision yeah. that I've made so far. And just to life. get another perspective, because that's what brings me into my next topic. You guys have gotten to know us. You know, we're nurses. <laughs> We're, we are nurses, but not only we're nurses, but we're nurses during a very difficult time right now. COVID-19, which everyone is Woo. talking about. 
So not only are we frustrated with just giving report in the morning, but you know, the frustrations of having to gown up, knowing that you're going to go into work and someone might die. Yeah. Um, Not might die. They will die. die. They will die. They were dying. They will. Yeah, they will die. So, um, Danny, for for those people that still haven't grasped the severity of COVID, um, with you and Kali working on COVID units, how has that been for you? Can you kind of just walk us through uh, a regular day on the COVID unit as a nurse? So we'll start with the ICU because, you know, the ICU, they, once they go to the ICU, they usually don't leave. Yeah, that's number one. And do you want to just break down the ICU as far as these are the most severe, these are the critical patients. So our, our ventilators. You yeah, know, they're our right. Patient, you ICU know, people, stands for intensive care. So that is the max critical, like you It's are, the critical care unit. This is where you go to get, receive one-to-one care. You're getting care around the clock. Yeah. You're getting care. That's what you require. You, so you receive more care than what you need in other areas of the hospital. So you're going to the critical care unit to get basically one-on-one help from someone like me. You know, I'm at the bedside, especially, oh man, with my critical patients. I'm I'm constantly in the room. I'm, I'm constantly in the room. I try not to be because of COVID, but this is a respiratory disease. Mm-hmm. So you can go from zero to a hundred mm-hmm. real quick as in uh up to down right zero to a hundred so you know you're you're constantly watching numbers you're constantly watching you know what their oxygen saturations are what meaning the oxygen that you're receiving in your body are they breathing like you know those are the things that i'm watching for on a constant basis i mean there's times where i'm like looking in the through the window like oh my god is my patient breathing yeah can i see him Oh my God, it doesn't look like they're breathing, but they're breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that anxiety that you get. You get a little, just a touch of it. It's like, it's a healthy anxiety. Yeah. And I say healthy anxiety because, you know, you think of anxiety like, oh man, like you're anxious and, you know, it's hard to work. No, this is a, okay, I'm just on it with my patient. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to go. I'm going to just grab a quick snack and go back out to my patient. That's right. me, especially with being on the COVID unit, mm-hmm. you know, which I don't, you know, I make sure I eat, but. You know, I have, I probably maybe eat once because I don't like to, I don't want to do too much right now. There's just a lot that can be spread, just a lot going on. And I, you know what, honestly, I don't know if you can get this thing twice or not. I don't, yeah, you know, because I, I have so heard weird. some people, even physicians, like even my infectious disease doctor who I work with was like, no, you cannot get this again. You, it, you can only get COVID. Once you build up your immune system, you get the IgG, your IgM. You're not able to obtain this virus twice. And then you get a whole nother physician that says the complete opposite. opposite. So and it's still very new and there's so much information that's out there and it's you just don't know. And that's why people are so iffy about the vaccination because we just didn't have enough information because they're saying you can get the vaccine, but you can still be a carrier. So if I can potentially give that to my mom, dad, a grandparent, then I don't really care about getting the, the COVID vaccination. It's not going to protect the people who I feel like really need to be protected, which are the immunocompromised and the elders. And coming into um, travel nursing 
it was a whole different world for me because I was introduced to COVID units. When I was at OSU, I was in surgery and we didn't see COVID patients because anyone who needed surgery, it was canceled. Um, but if it was completely urgent or mandatory because we did do heart and lung surgeries, then they got a COVID test prior to. And if you didn't pass that COVID test, you didn't get the surgery. So we didn't, I didn't have to interact with patients who were COVID. Me going into travel, I was thrown completely onto a, a COVID unit, which was, I mean, it was something I had never really seen before. And it was really scary. It was almost that everybody was critical. Yeah. Everybody could tank at any moment. Um, and it put so much into perspective and it humbled me so much from what that saw emotionally more than physically or anything like that. It was it was the emotional aspect to it. And thankfully, um, with end of life care, our hospital allowed family to come in and visit that patient. Um, but even seeing that process was, was tough. Yeah, it was very, very hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, being in a in a COVID unit, it's you just you know you just see a lot of things and it puts things into perspective like you know people there are people who really think that this thing is not real and it is it's a people real still thing people thinking it ain't real by now yeah. i know yeah. like when it first came out people were yeah. thinking it wasn't real COVID is 100 percent real there's some people who are still thinking it's a conspiracy you know the government <laughs> had to, stuff to do with it you know and there's just but people gonna have they you know their little stories their opinions and you know all we can do is just educate educate the best we can and um it's just it's it's rough COVID-19 has really done a number on our families our friends and also just it's just changed so much in that world of nursing in the world of being a doctor like right. you know you don't you don't function like you used to you, everyone's on edge yeah everybody's on edge and everyone's even as far edge. as when COVID-19 was first introduced to the healthcare field and everyone said oh wait nurses this is what you signed up for. Oh you guys my goodness! That. That was a, that that, was a this huge, is what you signed up for. That was a huge thing. I, bet, I mean, it literally hurts my ears, like to even hear you like say that because that's like that's all you heard was like this is what you signed up for. It's like hey, no, nobody signed up for this. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew this was coming. As far as pandemics, yeah, there has been pandemics, um, you know, epidemics in the past and things. But as far as nurses, we we signed up to help take care of you know, others and the sick and the ill. Not but our lives our life to be in jeopardy. And our lives were in jeopardy because there was no PPE, which is personal protective But even with PPE, people were still dying. Yeah. Nurses and physicians were still dying even with proper PPE. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, so that's scary. It is scary. And it's just, you know, there's just so many things that we just have never seen. But this is just, we've never seen anything like this before. So... You know, I do want to ask you ladies, you know, how have you guys adjusted? Now, this brings me into like, you know, my last section, uh -huh. but this is a very important section because this is what I struggle with right now. Leaving your problems at home and your emotions aside mm -hmm. when you're working. And not just with COVID, but just with not just work with COVID. period. Just, okay. just with work period. Like, you know, COVID, number one, it's, it's changed so many aspects, so many emotions that I do know that nurses aren't the same. Right. Their feelings aren't the same. You know, their their job is different now. So how has that shifted for you guys? Not even just on a COVID level, but also just personal level too. Mm -hmm. Leaving your personal lives at home and coming to work and focusing on work. I feel like I have a very great like support system for 
like to be able to leave work at work mm-hmm. and like that car ride home um where i call like either my you know you or you know kayla or whether it be my boyfriend that's the time where i vent and after that vent session i kind of be over it and mm-hmm. i'm able to leave work where it is right you know and i there's times where i've left very upset very tearful because of frustration because of sadness, because of just being mentally exhausted. But to be able to vent to people, especially, um, you know, with with my friends being nurses, it's easy for them to understand. Um, So that's kind of how I manage emotionally. But there's times where, you know, you are going through life um, and, you know, say something happens and you go to work the next day and you're kind of like completely in shambles or you want to be in shambles, but you can't be at work. Because you're constantly having to interact with people, you know, you're you're here to protect the patient mm-hmm. and do what's best for them. You can't really be in your feelings. You can't be emotional. Yeah. So, and that and that's very hard because, you know, if you're emotionally, if you're not well, I can't give somebody else my best. Right. Right. I can't give I can't give my all if I'm I'm, I'm not mentally there. Mm-hmm. That is why we have sick days. Yeah, mental yeah, health yeah. days. Mental health days are never real. really sick. Emotionally sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emo- <laughs> emotionally. I mean, that's true. Like, those mental health days, man. So, how have you coped with um, what's I, going on? I'm not going to lie. At the beginning, when I was working at, Trent, uh, at Grant, when we had the gunshot wounds, we had the car accident, it was very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to really learn very early on to leave my feelings at home, even though I didn't want, I didn't want to, it, it was just, it was too much to take it at home and deal with it there. And to, you know, introduce everybody else into how I, w- I was feeling and um, just that sadness. So um, I knew that that was kind of a part of nursing was to leave, check your emotions and leave your emotions at work. But sometimes you just can't. And there's been plenty of times, many of nights, where I went to sleep um, praying for the, my patients and the families, um, and, the families and, and what they were going through and just being 